listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hi friends, I'm Elizabeth Donaldson. I am an actress, a funny lady, and what they call a multi-hyphenate creative, which means I'll do anything anyone will let me get my hands on creatively. And primarily in the professional world, that means directing, photography, little wardrobe styling, and just generally being an all-around wild woman. So that's me. Elizabeth Donaldson, welcome to the Make It Podcast. I'm so excited. I feel like this is going to be the juiciest. My hope is that this is the juiciest, like, oh, shit, like, podcast you guys have ever, have ever had. That's my hope. I, <laughs> you know, I have the same feeling. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we are so excited to have you on. Um, we've, we've name dropped you in a couple of indie talks in recent weeks. Which is so and, nice uh, of you. Yeah, and, and we've been we've been following you probably for the last year on social media, just tracking you and and, sure. and getting tips just through observation. And um, it's great to actually have you on to get your insights, advice, and uh, for the audience and and just your perspectives sure. and and lo- learning a little bit more about you. I know that me and you have um, a lot in common. Uh, I think that we're both in love with Elon Musk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Do you know yeah. Elon Musk is Elon Musk's ex-wife was like is one of the characters on Westworld? I did not know that, but I do know that Westworld has a bunch of modified Tesla Model Xs as like they're flying like sort of hover crafts. I love and I, that, and, and I know that because I have um, I owned a Model S. I have a Model X now. Oh snap! And um. And the seats are just so identifiable. Like, you know, the seats when you see them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Can I say what, what is blowing my mind? I'm totally, this isn't even a tangent. This is just like, I'm just fully being non sequitur, but what blows my mind is it's always so interesting to talk to people. Like when you exist in the world and you're an artist and you're like, la 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 doing your thing. And I don't know about everyone else. I feel like everybody always sort of as an artist, you always go through moments where you're like, I'm the genius of the fucking universe. And then you're like, ah, like I am literally nothing. Like I am a sham. I'm no one. And so it's always Mm -hmm. so interesting and mind blowing. And like, for me, I'm always ultra flattered when people are like, we've been following you. And like, we love what you're about. And I'm like, fucking really? Like, wow. It's, it's true. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's been really fun to sort of watch you get better and better and better, uh, at sort of doing the things that you do. I just, just, oh, to, thank you. just to give people a sense that the listeners, a sense of, of what we're talking about, how would you describe your brand if you had to describe it? Oh shit. That's such a good question. I, <laughs> I don't even know the thing. I'm so bad. I'm so 
bad at branding than I'm good at branding. Um, that I've never had, I think I never wanted to be stuck in a corner because I, I do feel like I'm so multifaceted as a human. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a lot of different moods. Like sometimes I'm feel really funny. And sometimes I feel really like I want to write something that's really deep. And sometimes I want to take a moody self-portrait. And sometimes like the other day, I wanted to pick my nose on camera for a funny video that I made, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was literally the best because it was about being in quarantine. And like everybody picks their nose alone. Like it's like when you are alone, never will you pick your nose like more intensely than when you're, you know, like fully alone. So the comedy in that was really, it really got me. But so I always, I made a decision really early on back in the days when the word brand, you know, and branding was being tossed around, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to, I just didn't want to pin myself in a corner. I didn't want to feel like I had to be Elizabeth Donaldson, the funny quirky girl, um, because I don't always feel that way. So for a long time, I just made a decision that I would, that I would boldly do everything that I wanted to do and be all the things that I am. Um, and to a certain degree, try to, if, if something worked content wise on the internet, then I wanted to obviously give the audience what they like, because I consider it my job as an entertainer and as an artist to, like, I want to service people, you know what I mean? I'm not just here to like, right. To just, I don't know. I can't think of a better word other than like jack off, which sounds really vulgar, but like, I'm not, just here <laughs> to be, I'm not just trying to like jack off on the internet. Like I want to actually, I want my art to be of service to people. So I obviously pay attention to that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think because I am a really, really, really visual person, um, and like strong, you know, color coordination and, and strong visuals are really a part of who I am as a person. I always have tried to tie everything together with a certain level of, um, of visuals and like an artistic sensibility and a visual sensibility. But I don't know. I feel like I didn't describe my brand at all, but I think it's, it's just like all over the place. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's if like you just, yeah, if you just broke it down to, wild that's not a bad description of of your brand i mean you don't know what you're going to get every day but somehow you know you're going to get something that is singularly you there's a common thread <laughs> yeah through all of it that i think is sort of unapologetic and and perfect yeah. and, and, and great quarantine content by the way so so thank you for that <laughs> um you're welcome. I, I, I'm, I'm looking, um, I'm thinking back to some of the, um, your, your beginnings and, sure. um, you have uh, a, f a fairly artistic family. You've got a sister who sings, you've got another sister who is in healthcare. You grew up with two parents in healthcare mm -hmm. or in this quarantine. You mm -hmm. know, what was the moment that you kind of knew you were going to go into acting? I, I think I'd like swung. I think I just flew out of the womb doing it, to be honest. Like it wasn't, I, and I've said this before. It's funny. I've been interviewed before and I, um, and, and I've been asked, you know, that question or similar types of questions. And for me, it's never been sometimes almost to my detriment. It's, I don't know how to do anything else. I really, and I mean that almost on like a deep spiritual level. Like I don't, 
I, I don't know how to do anything else other than be an artist. And when I've tried, it's failed miserably. Um, which obviously makes this whole quarantine, this whole coronavirus situation, a really, really, really unique situation for me. Um, and I think for a lot of artists, because when you're someone who's like gotten to the point where you're living the dream and then suddenly like you can't do that, it's really, it's a mind fuck. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, mm -hmm. like I worked so hard and I was like, and there I was like literally having a dream life. And now like, wow, <laughs> Like, right. you know, what do I even do? But I, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I wrote a musical. I think I was in fourth grade, which like, you're pretty fucking young when you're in fourth grade. I wrote this play, um, Kylie's no, wait, that was a book that I wrote. I wrote a play, um, called it's all a dream and it was a musical and I was the star and I got, and I directed it. And anyways, I just always, it, it was just never even a question. Like it, it's almost like I don't, I can't even tell you when the moment happened that I decided, yes, I want to do this because it was almost like I just was born and was just doing it. If that makes sense. Right. Like almost. Yeah. I just don't know how to do anything else. Well, missing Mia was the first project you officially worked on, but, but what was really in your mind, your first project? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah. That's other than my fourth grade musical, I would say, <laughs> well, there were a couple things. I mean, we, okay, this is crazy. This is actually super crazy is I was in one of the very first internet TV shows, which is nuts to me. Um, and that was right when I first, um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I moved to Los Angeles when I was what, I must've been 19. Um, where, where did you move from? Well, I, I was born and raised in Northern California. Um, mm -hmm born in Eureka, which is like tiny. It's like way, way North. And then, that's right. Um, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And, um, we grew up in the central Valley, uh, Sacramento Davis, just like a small town and not small. It's like, I mean, Sacramento is the capital of California. So grew up there. And then I lived in Berkeley for a little bit. I lived in Boston for like a month. And then when I was 19, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting after living in Berkeley with a friend for like a year and a half. Right. And then I just never looked back and I booked, um, a pilot really soon after I moved to Los Angeles. And that was, I mean, it didn't really go anywhere, but it was, uh, it was for the WB and it was the first, it's just so weird to think about it now because now it's like everything is streaming. And back then there was no such thing. And it was this sort of improv soap opera about people in Hollywood. And I played this sort of dramatic bitch and it was called So LA. And right, um, yeah. And I think I, I don't know. I think I've always had this saying that, I mean, I think the life of being an artist sometimes can be the life of being anything. Whenever you're pursuing your dreams, you're going to be met with challenges always, always. And, and you're also going to have a lot of failures. Um, and sometimes you don't have necessarily, you know, cause it's not like I'm famous, you know, it's not like I'm freaking winning an Oscar or things of that nature, but you will find that you have enough successes or, or things that weren't enough success, but it's kind of like God or the universe or whatever the hell you believe in is like, Hey dude, like you're good. Keep going. Right. You know, like you got this, you booked this pilot. So then each one of those things you can kind of be like, okay, cool. Well, I was good enough to be in this pilot for the WB. So that seems good. And then, 
I was in a movie that my friend wrote, my friend who went on to be in the human centipede, which I think is pretty wild because that movie is pretty wild. But, yeah. um, <laughs> um, he wrote a movie where I got murdered by Daniel Baldwin. Oh, and nice. so, yeah, which is funny to me. So there's just these like little things along the way where you just kind of go like, okay, okay, cool. Like this is how, okay, this is worth doing. Okay. Keep doing this, you know, but, but like I said, it was just always, I just never, there wasn't, there truly was never a definitive moment for me because I, it, it just always seems like, yeah, this is the journey that I'm on and I'll be on this journey till the day that I die, no matter what happens, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's such a interesting take and, and perspective to have, especially to know it early on. Uh, while you were in LA, you did, uh, I'll be there with, with you. Yes. Uh, the dead center by Billy Sinise and, mm-hmm. uh, um, some some really I'm sure like after that after you did that you know that elevated you a little bit now you have two projects on the way Mall Santa and and um Rattled which might be have a different name now is that right I or is it still I Rattled think I think it's still Rattled I think it's okay. still Rattled but but who knows but yeah I'm excited about Rattled and then I've got another one coming out um Mags and Jewels go on a road trip so that's exciting um yeah yeah and we'll just kind of see, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a wild, it, I'm just, it's a, it's a wild landscape right now because <laughs> right, right. it's and like, cause everything's canceled. So it's, you're just like, okay, like what's, what's happening? Like, what's it all going to be, you know? And, but, and we'll go through this down the line as, as the conversation progresses, Sure. people will get a sense of like what a journey it really has been for you yeah, to, yeah. to get to this place. Sure. But I was wondering if, if if you could share, you know, what having come from there to here, sure. what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now in your career? Um, coronavirus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think. Well, okay, this is this is the best way that all that I'll explain it. Cause this is what's super weird for me. Or, and I think, I mean, I know I have a lot of friends who would, who would say the same thing is, you know, like I said earlier, I was sort of in this space where I had, I had lined up my life and everything was gelling. And I literally was like, I feel like freaking Superman. Like this is all happening. I have two movies com- like coming out. I've worked super hard. I've got a formula, you know, I'm going to, I was slated this year to, you know, I was going to just start like writing a bunch of films and get stuff produced and like really just go hard, 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 hard. And I was, you know, had several projects that were kind of in the pipeline and, you know, I was ready to go. I had a whole, this whole thing and a script that I was writing. And I think the biggest challenge for me right now in this exact moment is that I feel like everything that used to seem relevant to me from like a cultural perspective um, seems completely and totally irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So it sort of renders for me as a creative, it, it, I feel like it renders like all these ideas that I had for scripts. Suddenly I'm like, well, fuck that idea. <laughs> like who cares? Like that idea doesn't, it's not funny anymore or it's not important anymore or it's not, it's not relevant anymore. So you feel like the zeitgeist has shifted. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and I don't even like, it's not like I'm like butthurt about it. Like I'm like, Oh, no one will care about <laughs> like what I have to say, but it's just, it we're in an unprecedented time. Um, and I think that, that everything that's going on right now is going to like, I think it's going to shift us and change us in ways that we can't even, I mean, we're like, we're like a few weeks in right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, question. yeah, like I feel like, I feel like we're about to go through a change that we are, we don't even, we can't even begin to anticipate it because there's no way, none of us have ever been through anything like this before. Um, there's a lot of unknowns, et cetera, et cetera. So for me as an artist, it's important to me to, I want to be of service, um, to the community. It's And not just as an artist, but as a human being, a big part of me is like, it's important to me to serve. Um, and I do believe that art, I, I was in the Brian Banks project and the director of that was really amazing. In between takes, he would almost like teach us, like it was like a masterclass. And one of the things that he said that always stuck with me is that art is a service industry. And mm. I really, really deeply believe that. And so right now in this moment, I'm, I'm sort of looking at a lot of different things. One is like, as a freelancer, it's like, okay, well, how do I even make money? Cause that's a legitimate concern, you know? Um, and, um, because the, it's supposed to be busy season and now literally the entire industry shut down. So that's just like an immediate human problem of like, Oh my God, like got to eat, like got to pay the bills. Like, Oh no, like credit cards, like, Oh shit. You know, there's that, um, which that will pass. And that's, something that one can navigate. Um, but then there's also, you know, I'm just one, like, I'm really paying attention to and looking at like, what do people need? Um, what do they need? What kind of art do they need? And so, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing that everything has changed, but it just, it is a little bit weird because I'm having to rethink a lot of things that I was planning to do and just be like, okay, cool. Well, like, cool. I was excited about those. And like, you know, I can mourn that loss and be like, oh, this is a bummer. But there's just some things that just don't matter in my opinion, that just don't matter anymore. Some stories Mm -hmm. that are no longer important to tell. Or also because I think that like, you know, prior to this happening, we were in this really, really, really frothy, you know, the economy was frothy. We had very few problems as a culture. Um, we had a lot, we were super privileged. We had so much. And so as a creative, it was sort of interesting and fun. I mean, there was just this like utter freedom to like, all you had to do as a creative was just kind of like, you just kind of do whatever you want. Um, Mm -hmm. because there's no problem to solve. Um, and now I guess in a certain way you could, consider that because there's a little, there's some hardship that we're all experiencing. I mean, I do believe that that's going to make art that's more interesting and more powerful. And as an artist, it also is even the comedy skits that I've put out and the things that I've been doing, you know, I get feedback. People will write me and be like, thank you so much for like posting that funny video. I really need to see that, you know, and that's one of the reasons I keep doing it. I always worry. I'm like, are people going to think that I just like have no heart? And then I'm just like making a big joke out of this. And I'm like, but I do it because I feel I'm like, I know that I'm a very positive person and I know that in the middle of all this I've had, it's been really hard, you know? So if it's really hard for me, then 
how are people who are not naturally optimistic people, like how is it hitting them? And so I'm just trying to like do what I can in the moment to release some pressure for people, you know, or, or just communicate truthfully about it. Cause I also see, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are trying to go on like business as usual. And I'm not trying to be like, I don't want to be a dick, but I'm also like, yo dude, like this is not business as usual. Like this is like, we're, we're never going to be the same again. And that doesn't have to be a negative thing. But in my universe, that very much is the truth, you know? Yeah. I think in most, most cases, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think that's where we'll land. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to go back to the moment that you got a piece of advice from, um, the, uh, filmmaker on, um, you said, Brian it was, Banks. Um, yeah, Brian Banks, that, mm-hmm. that project. I'm curious what other advice you've received so far in your career and, and who did they come from? What, what would you say are the two best pieces of advice that you could think of? that, that have really inspired you and helped you move forward? That's a great question. The, you know, the other piece of advice, um, my, the late great Al Mancini, he was, um, he wasn't my first acting teacher, but he was the first, he was the first acting teacher that really made an impact on me. Um, there was, I'd studied at another studio for like a couple months in San Francisco before I moved to Los Angeles. And then, um, it was my first acting class in Los Angeles. Um, my teacher was Al Mancini and he was, this amazing, he was in his nineties. He always wore, uh, brightly patterned shorts that he had custom made for him. He was like five, two, he was Italian. He was in the dirty dozen and he was just a fucking, he was the guy. Um, and he always encouraged us to make really, really, really big, bold choices. And he used to always say, there's nothing that you can imagine that there isn't something crazier going on in real life. Like real life is crazier than you can ever make up. And that's why as an actor, you shouldn't be afraid to make really, really, really bold choices. And he, he just really cultivated that in me. And he, he, I loved him. He would always, people would do a scene and he'd be like, that was great, but do more, you know, and you have to bring (laughs) back the scene. Like sometimes that was the only critique that he ever gave to people is like, good job, but I want to see more. I want you to really take that choice to the edge. I want you to really commit to that choice. And, and I think it's interesting because, you know, we were talking about branding earlier, what's my brands. And I think one thing that, that does run a running theme in all of the art that I do is it's, it's bold and it's committed. You know, I'm just not, And I've always, I really did learn that from him. And it's something that I really stand by of like, I don't know if people are going to fucking like this, but this is what I'm going to do. And sometimes you jump off a cliff and it doesn't, it doesn't work or it doesn't hit or the joke doesn't hit. Um, I've done auditions or had things where I made some really insane choices and so, you know, 50% of the time it gets you the part and 50% of the time you don't get the part, but I'd rather be. I'd rather be someone that they remember than someone who they just forget, you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, that's very close to a personal, uh, philosophy that I, that I have for my life. Yeah. Um, I always tell people the biggest sin is being boring at a dinner party. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's, you just don't want that, but, um, you can't play it safe. You just can't. It's like, I, I think it's dangerous to play it safe. It's interesting because so many people, go through life thinking the opposite, you know, trying to be careful, trying to do the right thing. And 
I mean, I do try to make sure that I behave in a way. I think that there's like a, you can cross a line and like, I know people who they're like, I just don't give a fuck. And they're rude and they, you know what I mean? They're, they're inconsiderate. And I think that's a different, that's right. a different subject. They're, but, they're putting on airs. They're not really themselves. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think it's also like, you can consider, I always try to consider the impact of what I'm doing and saying. And I always like run it through and I'm like, okay, cool. Is this, is this beneficial or is this hurtful? And if I find that the impact of my communication is going to be damaging, I don't do it. But if I think it's going to be good or entertaining, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, And I also think people misunderstand the point, you know, the, the, um, the trait you need to be yourself and, and put yourself out there and be bold in all situations isn't a bigness. It's not a bigness. It's not, yes. a, it's, it's a, it's actually a humility. Um, yes. Whenever um, I remind myself to be bold and be fearless and to put myself out there, it's because I remember lessons from my father, who's a person who centers me very much. And mm-hmm. um, he says, anytime you get too worried, too scared, have too much anxiety or, or thinking too much about this so-called thing called brand and, and what people think, just yeah. remember that you're one person out of 8 billion on a small rock in one galaxy <laughs> of 1 million galaxies that is f- circling, you know, the sun. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you keep expanding out, you realize two things. One, that simultaneously that your life has a ton of meaning and, and your purpose here is to, is to, seek that out and, 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 and have fun. Sure. And two, that when you're gone, you will be gone and no one will remember over time, just the people that were close to you. And then they yeah. will die and they will, and that, and that your life and death actually isn't going to change the movement of the multiverse at all. And, and, and the, and the expansion of the solar system or any of these things. Right. So, sure. so when you realize how small you actually are, you then have the courage to be bold. Yes. So it's, so it's through humility. You know, you, we, we tell ourselves the story that, oh, if I do this, 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 this will happen and that'll be bad. No, no, no. You're, you have too much ego. You think that you control all these things and you don't. So right? just go be bold. Go be yourself. Yes. Yes. And yeah. well, it's interesting too, because I've been thinking about that, that specific concept a lot, especially in the midst of everything that's happening, because I think one thing that I think is so exciting about what's going on right now is that we really are reckoning with the fact that like nothing matters. Like, like for the first time we're confronted with something. And I think especially because our culture was so, with social media and everything, it's like, we're so like, Oh my God, I'm so important. And here's my thing. And this is what I'm doing. And here's my, the documentation of my life and la la la. And not to heavily invalidate all of that because I do think there is a certain amount of like aesthetic and artistic value to that. Um, but suddenly we're faced with something that's so much bigger than any of us. And so then all of a sudden it just gives you the freedom for me creatively to just be like, well, what do I want to say? Because like now, because, because for two seconds or for two months or for a certain amount of time, all of these sort of metrics and statistics and likes and Hollywood and goals and money and things that we are so used to measuring our lives by, especially I think recently, because we just didn't, 
we didn't have a lot of bigger games to play. So we were like, Oh, let me play the game of like, how many followers can I get on social media? And like, how high can I climb up the ladder of success? And again, I mean, I like those things, they're games and they're fun, but suddenly it's like, okay, well, all of that's like kind of wiped out right now. So mm-hmm. like, now what would you like to say? Like now, how would you like to serve? And I think that that, it just makes it a little different and it makes it, I like it, you know? Yeah. That was one of the favorite quotes of uh, one of our mentors. When I say our, I mean, bonsai creative Yeah, uh, Dick Gregory. Uh, he used to say, uh, it's a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a game. And so if you remember that, I, I, I think it helps. Um, you you yes. did something pretty unique. You know, a lot of people tell the story and we've seen a lot of uh, this even here uh, in, in Nashville, but it happens in every city across the country, sure. which is that if you're a creative, you leave your, you know, you leave Indiana and you fly to L.A. in hopes to find stardom. You went from L.A. to Nashville. What was the catalyst behind that move? Um, I, I know that you went to do nonprofit work, mm-hmm. but I want you to mm-hmm. expand upon that because there also had to be something in, in the back of your head saying, OK, I'm going to pursue entertainment here as well. So why Nashville? What was the catalyst? You know, it's weird. It, it's interesting that you say that, because originally uh, when I came here, I my plan was to come was to come to Nashville, um, open the organization I was working for uh, for two and a half years. And then I was going to move back to L.A. That was like the hard lined plan of like, mm. cool, go to Nashville, do the thing, go back to L.A., you know, become a movie star. And, um, and weirdly it it was, it was two things that happened. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it was an interesting evolution for me. Um, I, the second that the plane took off from Los Angeles, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving LA. And I felt really good about it, which is funny because I wasn't expecting to feel that way. I didn't, I didn't have beef with LA. I wasn't like, fuck LA, LA sucks. It's so vain. Like I had. I loved LA. I loved my life. <laughs> Everything was going great. I had like, you know, I was doing amazing as an actress in Los Angeles. Like things were cool. It was all lined up. And, um, and then I, I just like got in the plane and the, you know, the little, the plane left the ground, the feet, whatever, the wheels tucked up into the plane. And all of a sudden I, I just felt this amazing feeling of like, Oh my God, fuck that place. Like, Oh, this is so cool. I'm leaving. And then I got out and started doing, uh, some volunteer work and really, I don't know. I think I'd like grown up really fucking privileged. You know, I'm from like nice family, middle-class, um, didn't really have a lot of hardship was from like a small town, no crime. Um, and I just, I always had a big heart, but I didn't really understand what people were going through. And so then when I started getting out into the world and talking to people and really seeing, you know, the the situations that people were in and the lives that people were living, I just was like, I can't turn back. I can't like, I can't unsee all of this knowledge that I now have. And it makes, it makes this little game of like, I'm going to be a movie star, like kind of feel a little bit ridiculous. So, but again, you know, like I was saying earlier, because I'm an artist and that's just in me and I don't know how to not be that that I sort of went on this really interesting journey of, of working really hard, you know, doing a lot of stuff, like wanting to help people, wanting to do nonprofit, and then coming back around to the realization that the best way for me to serve is to be an artist. And the, Mm -hmm. and the most effective way that I can serve is to create art. And, 
And it was interesting because I had experienced it because I was like, well, I know I tried to just do volunteering and it didn't, it actually wasn't as effective as what I'm able to do when I can create art. However, if I would have never done volunteering, I wouldn't have had the perspective that I now have as an artist, which is a deep need to like serve, um, and approach it from that level. And I think that the way that I was going about it before was just sort of selfish and vain. And I'm always like super thankful that like things, I mean, it's tough for me because sometimes I think I'm like, well, if I would have stayed in LA, I I literally was on target to just kind of like make it like if I would have just stayed on that path, I like could have been like a little Hollywood girl and booked a thing and it all would have happened for me. But then I just feel like I would have been stuck in that world. And it's, I mean, even now I sort of constantly have to check myself. I'm like, okay, cause you can get, you can like feel like you're cool or you work on this project or things are good. And suddenly you're like, I'm the fucking shit. Like I'm, I'm so cool. You can like get in the side of that game. That's a little bit, um, what's the word? I don't know, just kind of like vapid and self-centered. And so I, I'm always trying to check myself on that and be like, okay, Elizabeth, like you think you're a little too cool, like settle the fuck down. You know, when you were in LA though, before you got on that, that fateful plane ride, was there some internal turmoil you had going on that led you to the calling of nonprofit, the calling of, of, of being something different, of, of escaping that, that culture? Inside you yourself. know, it's funny that you asked that because, because at the time, like literally, no, it was, it was this really spur of the moment thing where somebody, I, this is what somebody said to me. Somebody was like, Elizabeth, this will just be a great adventure. And I really, what was going on is I was a little bit bored. I was mm. sort of like doing the thing. And I was like, you know, booking national commercials and, you know, auditioning for pilots and doing this and doing that. And I just was like, all that was really inside of me was just this sort of gnawing sense of like, I just felt a little bored. Um, but it was really, I'm a funny person. Like I'm, I'm, even though I'm like, I don't know, like if you read my Instagram, like I'm like deep, I think about stuff, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I care deeply and I say some like quote unquote deep shit sometimes, but like, but I'm also a really, really, really actually like very simple person. I'm very, I'm not complicated and I'm not complex. And I think that's hard for people. I think because of the way that I speak or the way that I am or the sort of diverse nature of the way that I create, people would assume that I'm like a complex person, but I'm like, no, I'm just like pretty simple. And, and in that moment, I was just, someone said to me, I don't know. I think they, I remember the word adventure and I was like, fuck it. Like it was literally that simple. I was like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go to Nashville. Um, and it was intense. And then I got here and I was like, Oh my God, you know, it took me a minute to kind of get back around. It was sort of a silly thing, but also a great thing. Um, what was the moment that you realized you weren't going to hop back on that plane to LA two months later? Mm, I don't even know how to, how to describe it other than it just felt like a calling. I think after a certain amount of time, I just felt like I needed to stay. Um, at first it was just like, okay, I'm not done here and I have more work to do. And so I'm not going to stop until the work is done. And then I honestly just fell in love with Nashville. Um, as an artist, I really, really believe in Nashville. You know, all the, like, I believe in Nashville shit. Like I really, I mean, I, I just, I think, I think a big part of it is I literally just fell in love with the city. 
and now like you just couldn't you couldn't get me out of here gun to head you know because i right and, you, and you've done a, you've done a lot for for the city and you've done a lot for the the artistic community here i think just a shot in the that. arm uh for sure in terms of just energy and color and you oh that means to, the world to me no, i appreciate of course. that you, you spoke a little bit a moment ago about hey you know i'm, I'm privileged to not be in a toxic relationship and mm-hmm. um I'm reminded of um, a quote from from Lynn, Lynn uh, Margulis. So L Y N N M A R G U L I S. For those who want to look her up, yeah, she was a theorist and a biologist, and she was twice married and twice divorced. And she said, "You know, I quit being a wife twice. There's no way to be a wife, a mother, and a top um, scientist." At the same time. <laughs> and I'm curious, you, a lot of times we ask our guests, what is one piece of advice you would give to a filmmaker right now or an actor right now, for example? But I want to contextualize it for you. Sure. Um, having done this f- for your entire life, seemingly, do you think that that's true? You know, if, if you you being a, a female in this business and being empowered the way you are, sure. do you think it's possible to be a wife, a mother, and a top actress. And what I mean, advice I, would you give to those that are performing that have those that have that are that are in those types of contexts and relationships? Sure. I mean, I I'm not a wife, a mother, <laughs> or right. you know, right. or a top actress. So I, I can't I can't speak to you know, I, I don't I can't be like, well, I'm a mother and here's my tips on parenting, but but what I can say is that, and this is something that I believe deeply, 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 um, is anything is possible. Um, but, truly maybe, anything. But, but maybe I'll recontextualize it and make sure. it a little easier to make it more fair on you. Yeah. Which is if you were in a relationship that was, let's say, super serious right now, I don't know if you are or aren't, but do you find being yourself being consistent as you are uh, with your messaging out to your fans and on social would be easier or harder? Like what would be your strategies if you found yourself, you know, having to answer potentially to someone else uh, in terms of just for your time and attention? Sure. Well, I mean, that's a really great question. I, I think, and I think that this is part of, you know, who I am and part of my message as an artist and what I want to inspire people to do is I think you have to be, you have to be yourself. I think the greatest, like you have to be true to yourself on the deepest level that you possibly can be. And I think that anyone, I think that if you're engaged in an activity that is, that is good and beneficial, um, anyone asking you to stop that activity is just not your friend Mm. and not someone that you should be dating or married to or like, and you see it all the time. And I mean, I guess, you know, I, I guess I'm someone who I would rather have a relationship that's like mind blowingly fucking incredible than just have like a partner because that's what society needs me to have because I'm lonely and I'm concerned that my eggs are going to fucking freeze. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like I'm just, because I don't think, I don't think that it would be doing me. And I think that you could say this with friendship or with anything, 
it's not doing me any favors and it's not doing them any favors for me to not be my highest best self. And so it's like, and, and it's something, I mean, I feel very passionately about that because I think I, I've, I've observed in my friends relationships that are incredible and relationships that are not. And the relationships that I've seen that are incredible are like when someone gets with another person and they really like become their highest best self and they're very empowered to be their highest best self. Then I've seen people who have huge dreams and they're moving towards them. And then they like partner up with somebody or get a friend and that person convinces them that now they need to, I don't even know, go to dinner every Sunday night. And I'm, and I'm just like, I don't think, I think that all those sort of like, um, status quo status symbols that like all the supposed to's like, well, like you have to go to the baby shower and you have to go to the, like, you know, and like, if you don't do Christmas in this way, then like, you're not really living. And like, for me, I'm just a person like I'm, I'm fully willing to sacrifice so many things that are like societal normals, but to be frank, bore the shit out of me to have a life that I find like super interesting and exciting and creative. And so I think that unfortunately what I see a lot of people do is they, they bow down to like these stupid norms of society that are supposed to make you safe. But you know, like is remodeling the kitchen? Like, did it fucking, did it change your life? No, it didn't. (laughs) Does that like, is that house that you bought? I mean, it's cool to have a nice house. I'm all for nice things. I'm all for remodeling the kitchen. I'm totally in agreement (laughs) with all of that. I want to have a nice kitchen and a fucking mansion, you know, but like, but I just see people put those things, those material things or those like obligations over dreams. And a dream doesn't have to be like making it. A dream could be like, I want to fucking save Africa or whatever, you know? And so I guess for me, I'm just, I'm like, just not willing to compromise. I'm just not. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. It, it reminds me of, of um, some uh, stuff I'm reading now on uh, Anais Nin or Anais Nine, however you mm-hmm. might pronounce that. Mm-hmm. And she lived the wildest life of all time. I wouldn't necessarily recommend you live her life. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but she, she, but she very much, um, lived a life that she wanted to live and gave sort of zero concern to uh, anyone's judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and she, for all intents and purposes, uh, was very happy. Yeah. Lived, lived a, a, a very wealthy life mm-hmm. and, and died giving lectures at, at top universities and, and has it's considered a great writer uh, poet, essayist, filmmaker. Uh, so that's A-N-A-I-S-N-I-N for anyone who wants to Google that and read up on her life. And you'll find that uh, she did some things you probably wouldn't do. But, <laughs> but uh, you will you will leave educated, inspired, and, and um, fascinated. If, if you're not fascinated, you don't have blood going through your arms, I'm sure. <laughs> right, um, yeah, I need to check her out. Yeah, definitely do that. Like the chick. I mean, you can never fail if you're living life in accordance with your own integrity and integrity isn't about what other people think is right and wrong. It's about what you think is right and wrong, you know, and, and different, that looks different to different people. But I just think that anyone who's asking you, you know, 
to step away from something that you're passionate about or like, I don't know. My ideal relationship is like somebody who like I see once a week. I mean, maybe like we live together. Maybe I see <laughs> more than that. But like, I, I remember one time I had, I, I feel bad. I hope this guy never listens to this podcast. He's married to a girl who wants to go to the pumpkin patch with him now. But he, it was like, he wanted to ask me to be his girlfriend. And he like took me out to dinner and he was like, wanted to go camping. I remember he said things like, I want to go camping and I want to go to the pumpkin patch. And I was just like, I'm out. Like, Right. Like, I don't want to go, but some people, and you know, don't get me wrong. If you want to go to the pumpkin patch, like that's cool. It doesn't mean that you're a loser, but, but I just like, like, like shoot me in the head. If I ever prioritize the pumpkin patch over, I don't know, dreams, but not to say that you can't, I also, that being said, some people are like, can you relax? Like, and I do think that it's important to have positive moments with your friends and family. And like, I do carve out time, but I think I think that it can get, it can become a weird space in life where like people are making you feel guilty for like being who you authentically are, you know, I'm sure there's doctors that found cures to diseases who missed out on certain things. And like, hopefully their wives weren't like, Oh my God, I don't know. Sometimes you have to weigh it out. It's like, what's better? Like the, the gift that you can give or what's the greatest good for the world? Like, and so I just feel like if, if somebody was in my life who felt who wanted me to hold back and like not do everything I could to give my talents and strengths to the world, I'd be like, sorry, dude. And there's so much to dig into on that. Um, that's why I want to marry Elon Musk. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the um, yeah, it's, it's like, I, okay. So one, I think one of the, first mistakes people make is letting someone else choose what their morals are going to be. Yes. Yeah. What, what it, your morality gets chosen by the group. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think a lot of people do that. I think that's yeah. why people remodel their kitchens, by the way, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. unless the kitchen just literally isn't functional. Like you can't make your eggs in the morning because of the way totally. it's designed and there is a such thing as bad design. So yeah. I would, yeah, I would fair. totally get that. And, um, you know, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I think, I think the way I've seen it happen in relationships, the, the way you described it was very, um, uh, obtuse, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, mm-hmm. someone's literally stopping you from doing the thing you're doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and, and not to say that I haven't seen that I've literally seen, um, relationships outside of sort of entertainment where, sure. where the female can't do something because the husband refuses to watch the kids. Right. Cause okay, you can do it, but you got to find a babysitter mm-hmm. Well, without him recognizing that he played a 50% role in bringing the kids you know, into the <laughs> yeah. world as well, whether he brings home the bacon or not or whatever the, sure. the term is. But the way I've seen it in art sometimes, Elizabeth is that it's, is that it's been really passive and sometimes the partner doesn't even realize they're consciously doing it. Totally. But, but it, it's like they're doing little things that throw small, little itty bitty roadblocks and fires in front of that creator all the time. Yep. One little misstep. Oh, the kids are sick. So I need you to stay home or, Oh, um, you know, why don't you let me be your manager? Yeah. I've seen that for people who are singers and performers. Well, if you're a guy performer, it's kind of important that your female audience 
not be threatened by your wife manager or girlfriend manager that's standing on stage giving him the evil eye every time you sing yeah. a song. And and there's something that you have to understand about that, right? There's a non-permanence to it. Sure. That I think your significant other usually isn't or typically isn't comfortable with, right? Sure, sure. Um, but that non-permanence exists in every single thing you do in your entire life. Yeah. Like you could walk out and get into a car accident. You could, yep. a you know, <laughs> you could, you could, you know, have an arrhythmia, like anything could happen. Yeah, there, so, there could be a global pandemic. Right. There could be <laughs> coronavirus. You could be yeah. patient zero. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but I think when we get into relationships with one another, we think there's, there's a, you know, we were promised a permanence Yeah. that, that you just, that no human being can, can deliver perfectly to another human being. So it, yeah, as an artist, you have to be careful about, you know, are you sensing that, you know, you know, before you met this person, you mentioned earlier Sunday night dinners, every Sunday night you would record a song or you would film something for social media or you would write on your screenplay. But totally. now, but now that person guilted you into taking that away. And yeah. because you also have fun with that person, now you've lost that training. Yep. Well, it can be, I think about that really, especially romantic relationships are like a, it's a creative experience, you know, love, romantic love is creative. And I think a lot of times people take all of their creativity and, and this can also be a beautiful thing. I'm not necessarily dissing it because I've seen, you know, you see it sometimes there's, there's, I know women who the way that they raise their family is an art form. And that's mm -hmm. like, that's what they're being. They're not trying to, you know, they're not, trying to do or be anything else. And, and what they are being is this beautiful, aesthetic, incredible mom and making this whole beautiful art form out of raising their family. And I, I think that's incredible, you know? Um, but I also have seen people who sublimate in a negative way, like all of their creative impulses into a relationship. And, you know, I think it can also, it, it can go both ways, you know, totally. I think I think it's just about that. I mean, balance, but also, I mean, I'm just always very, I think one thing too, that I like the simplicity of what I look for is whether it's a friend or like, you know, something romantic. Cause I'm always like, okay, is this, do I feel inspired to be myself? Do I feel emboldened to be myself around this person? Or do I suddenly feel like I'm not enough? Um, and I think that like wanting to be better is different than not feeling like enough. They're, they're very, even though there's like a similar harmonic there, I think they're very different things. So yes. I, I just do everything I can to surround myself with people who, you know, fr friends and, and otherwise who are supportive, um, who love me and let me be me and who I feel comfortable around, you know, and feel emboldened and feel like I want to do well for these people. Yeah. Uh, for so, the, and I, oh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just think that's vital to, in my world, I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to do so well. Um, at least in my own universe is that, that that's almost one of my number one rules is I'm mm. very, very careful of the people I let into my life. Like I have a lot of people, I have a lot of acquaintances and I love a lot of people, you know, but when it comes to the people who were like, real close, you know, I, anyone who I feel is going to distract me from my goals and purposes. And for me, it's not like a selfish thing. It's not like, I want to be a movie star. It's just like, 
I just don't know what else to do other than to try to be my very best self, you know? And I would also want to be around people who like, let's say tomorrow I decided like, you know, fuck all of this. I'm going to, I'm going to become a doctor or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like I said, because everything's, I, I don't think that, I don't think I'd become a doctor because like I said, I'm, I, I just don't know how to not be an artist, but you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the next year in the world. Like, I don't know. I don't know what world we're stepping into there there. I'm expecting some major change, but I would just want someone, you know, it's important to me to be around people who like, they see you and they're like, cool, whatever purpose, whatever goal you have, like, I want you to be that. I want you to pursue your highest self. You know, I think it's vital. You're just, it's just not a cute look, you know? And I think so many people, they just sort of waste their life on Netflix and dinners out and like hanging out. And I'm like, cool. Like you hung out, but like, I don't know. I just think there's more to life than that. Yeah. And I, I, I think for the thousands of people that follow you when they open up Instagram, the first thing they're going to see is several, several, several pieces of content that you have created. And, you know, at Bonsai, it's really at the center of our thought leadership is yeah. because I think that what is missing from most independent film success is the ability of those creators to have a brand before they start a project and then leverage that brand to launch their project. Yeah. And, um, and, and you sort of have a mastery of it. So I'm, I'm curious, what is uh, your secret to consistency? <laughs> um, to, I mean, the simplicity is you got to run it like a business. Um, I just don't, I, I wouldn't say I'm hard on myself. Like, cause when you say the phrase, like I'm hard on myself that people think that you're like, fuck you, you suck, you know? And that's not how it is. But <laughs> I, um, I consider it my job and like my duty. And I, the only time that I ever take time off is when I feel like it's necessary, you know, when I'm like, okay, cool. Um, like, like there was a second, you know, when shit was kind of hitting the fan, it was like a week ago where I was just like, I'm just don't, I need to get the fuck off the internet. <laughs> like, I don't, need, I don't want to be on here compulsively posting content when I don't even know my name right now, because it, it, you know, it was just last week, I think was intense for everybody. Um, and so then I'll take a step away, but I just, I consider it to be like my duty, you know? Um, and even at this point, you know, this is a very strange time because, in the past, it's sort of like my social media is like my promotional arm. It's like my promotion and marketing of my business. So if you were to consider the business as Elizabeth Donaldson creative, and then my social media is the advertising and marketing for that business. Um, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And I mean, I believe that very specifically, but now is a weird time because, um, the ability to get work, you know, in my field is like way less because the industry, I mean, my agent sent me an email that's like, Yo, it like right in this moment, if you were to decide, like, I'm going to create an independent, like, fuck all these safer at home laws. Like I'm going to go shoot a movie. Like people might be like, whoa, like you could get arrested. I don't even know, but, and it's not going to be necessarily like socially popular mm -hmm. to go the grain in that way. Um, although there are other ways, like I have a show that I'm working on, you know, that I set up to, 
film in quarantine. There's a lot of ways that you can create alone, but I'm also exploring all that because I'm still kind of figuring out like what I want to say. You know, I'm just like, I don't know, like what do people need right now? Like right now I'm like just sewing a lot of hospital masks, to be honest, because, because I'm like, that's what's needed. Like people need, like, this is sort of like a crisis. So I'm like, I'm going to like put a couple things on hold for a second and just like try to handle the shit out of this crisis. Cause like my community needs me, you know, but, um, I love it. yeah, but yeah, I just, I, now I just consider it to be a duty. And I also, at this point, because I have, because I worked so hard for so many years and I have moved over into a space where I actually have fans. Like I have people who follow me. I literally just think it's my responsibility. Like even when I'm having a shit day or a shit week and I don't want to, I literally have, I will think to myself, if I give up on this, then every single person who follows me is like, it's not just, it's like their loss. Like that sets the example that Elizabeth Donaldson got overwhelmed and she quit. And so now I can quit too, or maybe dreams can't happen. And because a huge purpose of mine is to inspire other people to create and be themselves and pursue their dreams and like, you know, put themselves out there that I just feel like if I quit, then, then I let everybody down. And I just, I don't think I can live with myself if I did that, you know? Absolutely. And so, so, Staying on that theme a little bit, mm-hmm. what do you think are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see newcomers making in, in your field, in your primary field, let's say, of acting? Yeah, um, I think I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think one which we already discussed is like just is trying to be what other people want you to be um, hmm. and trying to like fit in. I also think I mean, I have a big. I have a big viewpoint of like, you can't make anyone your thought leader. I, well, I use the word guru when I used to say guru, but then someone corrected me, but actually, and this is good for the world to know <laughs> using the word guru as a derogatory is actually like a uh, sort of ignorant. And it's because in Indian Indian culture, a guru is actually like very respected and they're a teacher and they're wise. So it's to use it like a guru is negative is pretty rude. And I didn't know that somebody corrected me and I was like, okay, <laughs> point taken. Um, but I think to make someone else your master, or I mean, I think teachers are important. We all have teachers. I have certain things that I follow, teachings that I follow. Um, but I think when you make someone your master and you decide that their opinion is more important than your own perception, that can be very dangerous to your career and to your art. Um, you always have to keep your own counsel and you always have to be your own boss. And like, I'll give a good example. I had an acting teacher many, 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 many years ago. I was in an on-camera class and he gave me a critique in the class. And his critique was like, Elizabeth, you're enough. You don't have to try so hard. Um, And it was an audition. We would like do auditions on camera. And I always have this thing when I do auditions where like, I'm very quirky. Mm -hmm. And I mean, nowadays everything's on, it's like self-tape, although I'm still really quirky and different. I mean, I take big risks um, on my self-tapes, but it used to be when you would go into the room and I would just like say weird things. And so I think I went and I was like, Oh my God, did you guys notice all the trees are purple? And I kind of run my mouth. Cause I, that's just who I, am. <laughs> you know, I'm like weird. And I say weird and I'm like, Oh my God, I love petting dogs and like blah, blah, blah. And that's how I always did every audition. And I didn't even think about it. I wasn't trying to be interesting. I'm just a weird girl. Like I'm just a quirky girl. That's just who I am. And, um, so he gave me that critique and, 
you know, basically like just come into the room and just be, just be. And I really had this guy, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a great teacher and he taught me a lot. And so it's not even like he's a bad dude, um, or his intentions were bad or anything. Um, and I took that advice and I didn't book a single acting job for two years because I, my whole successful action of just being weird, quirky Elizabeth, who's non sequitur Mm -hmm. talks about whatever. Um, I stopped doing that. And that was the reason that I was booking all the jobs. And then I, and then like randomly one day, like it'd been two years and I was like, I've literally not booked anything in two years. Like what's happening. And then I spotted that datum. I was like, Oh my God, like this teacher told me that. And then I stopped doing that. And Oh my God. And so I immediately put my old successful action back in and booked a job like two weeks later. Elizabeth, you've been super generous with your time. I only have a few more questions. Are are you good? You can keep going. Yeah. I, right. I mean, I'm on, I'm on quarantine. I have nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is the extended quarantine version. I love, yeah. I love, I love this. Yeah, this is the director's <laughs> cut of this Wait, fucking thing. Where am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> no way. So, so you you are a photographer, a director, an actress. Mm-hmm. You do mm-hmm. photo styling, film and video styling. You're a podcaster. Mm-hmm. You're a blogger. <laughs> it, is, it is it is clear you have chosen the path of being a jack of many trades. Yeah. Is, is there is there any downsides to that? And, and do you ever think about what it might be like if you had chosen the path of being a master of one? I do. Um, I, I think that's a good question. The downside is just that every so often I'm like, I just have that thought. I'm like, man, if I focused, if I did this, if I just did this, or I wonder like, are people going to be confused? Or like, for instance, when people say, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) I literally say, I'm literally like, I'm an actress and director and photographer. And I do music video styling. Like, because I don't, I don't just want to say when I, if I tell people I'm an actress, well, yes, I'm definitely that. And that would be the number one thing that I do. And the number one thing that I'm about, but I'm not just that, you know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. I, and even my acting is informed by all the other things that I do. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, I think that's why I'm so excited about just like pursuing filmmaking as a whole more, um, is because I think ultimately that's what I want to, you know, that's what I want to do is create my own stuff where I'm acting in it and I'm creating the whole thing. And I'm, and then I can be involved in the styling, you know, in the art directing to a certain degree and have it be like, okay, this is an Elizabeth. <laughs> like we can tell that this is an Elizabeth Donaldson situation, but mm-hmm. sometimes I do get pulled in too many directions for sure. You know, or from a business perspective, because I make a living as an artist, um, it's, you can get caught in this thing where you're, you're doing photos, you know, I'm, I'm taking photos because I need to make money. Um, and so I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to run a photo special and blah, blah, blah. And not that I don't love doing it and that it's not artistic, but then I'm like spending time doing that, getting involved in that side hustle, doing the business side of that. And then trying to balance out like the things that like my heart is telling me I need to do or the things that I need to do. I'm not always good at saying no. Sometimes I think that many, many directors go through this where they're like, this is the last music video I'll ever direct. (laughs) This is the last low budget music video or, you know, so I get, I think also because I'm good at a lot of things, a lot of people 
like want my time or they want me to be part of their project. And I sometimes just, I'm like, Oh, I, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Or, you know, or people will want me to be part of things that I just want to have no part of, not because they, you know, not because they're bad people, but I'm trying to really pursue at least my aesthetic vein, you know, and really start lining things up. And then I'm like, well, fuck it. I'll, I'll help Joe with this project. And then I, and then I'm doing it and I'm hating it. And so, yeah, there's that. I mean, it's, I guess such is life. You know, I think some people, their side hustle is that they wait tables or they have a nine to five. And so there's barriers with that. And my thing is that like all my side hustles are my work are me are my art. <laughs> so I think it's a, I think it's a privileged, privileged position to be. And I, I do. And, and, uh, and you're probably the envy of a ton of artists out there. Um, and I mean that in, in the best possible way. So, um, v- very cool. Well, I appreciate that. No, of course. Um, you, you were quoted, uh, and just feel free. It's the internet. So feel yeah. free to tell me if, if this is wrong or you need to correct it, but, uh, <laughs> and paraphrasing or not paraphrasing, but just taking it a little bit out of the context of the piece. Yeah. Um, you wrote, I cried tears of joy almost every day for a month. Um, and this, this came after your realization of, of where you came from to where you've been. Sure. Talk us through a little bit of that quote and, and why you cried tears of joy every day for a month. Um, so, so I'm like pausing cause it's, I've just been thinking about that a lot, especially in the current circumstances. So, um, I mean, I just. Because in my, in my mind, I had worked my ass off for years and years and years and years and years. And I don't think you don't ever stop working your ass off, but, um, and I felt like I, like I'd finally gotten to a space where I made it and, and again, not making it not because I was famous or everybody knew who I was or, you know, because I was rich or anything, but because I was finally in a space where I could confidently say like, I'm an artist for a living, you know, um, this is what I do. And this is the life that I've built. And I, you know, successfully working for myself and making it happen. And so, and I think also just in alignment with what I'd said earlier, um, living a life that I believed in and living a life where I felt like every decision I feel like everything that I do is something that I want to do, never something that I have to do. Um, and that feels really good to be like, yeah, like I want to do this. Like, this is like, I just, I feel incredibly in control of my life and weirdly, even in the current circumstance. And I mean, I've had to like, you know, being fully transparent, I've had to take some odd jobs and like (laughs) do some like, Oh shit type things to just, because I am very dedicated to making sure that I have income like coming in. Um, cause I don't want to like run through savings or like wait on a government check or like, you know, wait on whatever. Um, but I still feel like my, like I'm just 100% in control of my life. And I think that also comes from a place of like, when you feel like you have the ability to be responsible for, or do something about anything that comes your way, you know, it feels good. So I'm just aware of, of like how cool that is and aware that it's, it's something that not a lot of people have, 
you know, most people, they have to work at a job that they hate and they like have a dream. And so for me, I'm like, oh my God, like literally like I'm doing what I want. And this yeah. is amazing. It's a, it's a fantastic position to be in. And, you know, the precursor to this podcast, which, you know, up to this year has been a passion project for Nick and I, yeah, and not sort of our primary thing. It'll be far more primary this year sure. than in previous, the previous year. Yeah. But, um, the precursor to this was just asking creatives, um, sitting down with them one-on-one, not even recording them and saying, mm-hmm. what does making it mean to you? And they would literally describe 80% of them. Elizabeth would describe what you just said as making it. And me and yeah. question the authenticity of that. Like, cause I do think there are people out there that really do want money over, you know, the lifestyle or money over or, or fame over that, like sure. meaning the lifestyle of a artist that can just pay their bills. Cause that's, that's what we were told. We were 80% of the people. I just want to be able to pay the bills I currently have doing art. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is true, but I don't mm-hmm. know if it's as high as 80% because I think sometimes we virtue signal, right? Yeah. yeah and we yeah. say, okay, uh, let me virtue signal that I love art so much that if I could just literally pay the rent in the house I am now, I don't ever need to buy another house or buy another car. And, and so, um, but, but you've literally done it. So that that's, that's, uh, in- incredible. Um, we have, um, We've interviewed a lot of actors on this, mm-hmm. on this podcast yeah. and everybody has a certain thing that they do, Elizabeth, like to sort of get ready for an audition or to get themselves into the space of the character. So for example, uh, Sarah Antonio will often create a playlist for that. She believes the character she's playing would listen to yeah. and that allows her to get into character. You have a, an interesting ritual. You've created an, an alter ego named Lydia uh, Lydia. Right. <laughs> why did you cre- why did you create her and, and what was the process of creating Lydia? What does Lydia do for you? Dude, Lydia <laughs> Lydia just like came out of me one day. Lydia, well, when we were shooting Rattled, um Rattled was intent like basically rattled. I like for 10 days, I had to cry all day, every day. And be like the whole movie is about my character being tormented, like emotionally and sometimes physically freaking tormented. She's not sleeping. And so um, it was just a really intense space to be in. I also this is a, a, a small tangent, but it's interesting. So I think some people find it interesting. Some people are really into like using your own pain to create art or like, I remember I had a day where I was like not feeling very good. Cause it just finally got in there. It was like, I'd been crying. I'd been like, you know, living in the world of this character for so many days. And, you know, I was tired too. And one day I just, I like cried all the way to set in my car. I just like woke up sad, wow. felt sad, cried all the way to set. And, um, and some people were like, like, just use it. It's great when you're doing that. And I was like, yeah, but like, I'm in grief. I'm not focused. Like Elizabeth being in grief is a space of like self doubt and like horribleness. Like this is not like, I can't deliver my best work in this space. Luckily, KD, the director, um, is just fucking amazing. She's just amazing. And she like, she just lets you, she was like, it's cool. Like she just kind of creates a space where it's like, yo dude, like I get it. 
this is hard. And like, I've got you. And like, I understand that this is hard for you. And like, I believe in you. And that was enough to just kind of like get me through. But, but I was really struggling with my acting that day, you know, because I wasn't focused and Elizabeth felt sad. And I was having a hard time, like, you know, doing the take rate and doing the technical side of acting, which is so different than the emotional side of acting. Um, but so Lydia just literally <laughs> like came from the inside. Lydia is this for it to explain Lydia. Lydia is this crazy. I, I feel like she's probably like 107. She's a lot like, um, she's basically like Betty Davis. Um, and she's like this old Hollywood actress who is larger than life. I, it's hard because I can't. Can you say like a few lines in can Lydia's I voice? Yeah, God, can you it's so hard. Voice? It's like whenever I try to be Lydia, I can't be Lydia because she literally just, it's really weird. I, I swear it's like so weird. There's things that Lydia will say that like I couldn't think of if I tried. And then when I'm Lydia, <laughs> like they just come out of me. Um, oh gosh, can I do it? Um, I mean, I can kind of do her voice. Like she's Lydia. She talks like this. <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but I feel like that's all. Like, like, like what would Lydia say about <laughs> this apocalypse? I don't know. She's say, have a nice brandy. Yeah, it does sound like Lydia drinks, sips brandy, and smokes Virginia Slims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she and she's got like a younger boyfriend who's like he's probably bisexual. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, Lydia like helps you. She helps you live. I mean, I'm a huge believer that like I believe in comedy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think that's why Lydia was born. I think that's also why as I've sort of progressed. People used to be like, what kind of actress are you? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I like any acting, but in the, in the recent years I've been like, Oh, like I like comedy, like comedy is important. And I consider myself to be a comedian and you know, I'm very, it's important to me. And I think that that's because like in my universe, like comedy survival, you know, you just, Mm -hmm. you have to have it. (laughs) It's like, there's no way to make sense of the world. Like you just need that release. So Lydia did, she gave me that release cause it was intense. You know, it was really hard to be crying. I mean, I can't give away plot points, but like crying and being emotionally tormented all day, every day. So Lydia was just nuts. I mean, she's in, I, I don't even know if I can do her. I wanted, I want to be Lydia, but I, she just comes on her own, you know, <laughs> I'm excited to see more from Lydia in the future. As, uh, as as we continue to follow you and 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 and, um, and be a fan of you and support you in every way that we can and um, it's just been so much fun. You were absolutely yeah. right at the beginning of this conversation that uh, this is going to be a kick ass conversation and and just uh, an explosion of a podcast and it has been. Um, t- tell everybody where they can find you on on social media and on the on. Ah, can't talk and on the internet. We'll try that again. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and on the internet. <laughs> um, they can find me. There's two very simple and basic places to find me. Um, one is my website, which links up to everything else, my podcast included. And that is Elizabeth Donaldson Um, but also what's very important is my name is spelled with an S not a Z. So S is in Sam. So it's E L I S. A-B-E-T-H. And then also my last name. This is never a problem in California, but 
everybody thinks of like Donaldson Road, but I'm a hard D. So it's D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N. So ElizabethDonaldsonCreative.com. And then I'm like, I'm anything that is social media, like if it's Twitter, I'm like my Twitter account. I just want to give a shout out to my Twitter account for a second. I'm really funny on Twitter, in my opinion. Like my Twitter content is fire, but I have like three followers on Twitter. So hopefully, hopefully anyone listening to this podcast will be like, because my Twitter content is fire because it's the most unfiltered because I have no followers. So it's like the most weird shit, the most like salty shit, like the shit that I won't say on like any other platform that I'll just be like, yeah, like, let me tweet this out. Um, anyway, so I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on TikTok, which, uh, my content on TikTok, I love TikTok. I, I don't know why I'm not TikTok famous. I'm on Instagram. Um, Instagram is sort of like where I'm the most active, but I'm pretty, people call me the content queen. Like I'm, I really make sure that I put my content everywhere. It's like part of my business strategy. <laughs> it's like, I create stuff and I put it all over the place and I'm very active on, on all the mediums. But, um, yeah. So you can literally just Google my name and then all the things, every social media, everywhere. Elizabeth Donaldson. I appreciate, I appreciate that. I just realized I was following the wrong Twitter page of yours. I think I was following your Stan league page. And if that's oh. like old, you should probably kill that one. But 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 it doesn't matter. I just found the real one. And oh you're doing yeah, I think it's because if you Google my name, yeah, because my Twitter yeah. is like my old. Um, it's freaking. It's my old Instagram handle, which is Bright Light Fire. And I, mm-hmm. I just for some reason, it's like back in the day when Instagram, before Instagram and branding was a thing, and like you would just think of some like everybody's Instagram name was like kind of esoteric and like, you know, it's like our hotmail accounts used to be <laughs> like, exactly. it'd be some like inside joke with yourself. And so my Twitter is bright light fire and I just can't let go of the handle. I just can't. But I think if you just like Google like Elizabeth Donaldson, Twitter, like my main account, because my name is the anyways, I don't know. I don't know about these things, but. Right. And so just to be clear, if you go and find her on Twitter, it's at bright light fire and so and right is spelled with an e so b-r-i-t-e-l-i-g-h-t-f-i-r-e and do go follow her the the pin tweet is her dancing uh with a dinosaur head on and it is and very very funny yeah it is very funny and if you just watch it on a loop without sound um, it might put you in a trance. Um, and I feel wearing a shirt that says "I win." Yes, yeah, it's it's the absolute best. Deep thoughts by Elizabeth Donaldson. And uh, what, one last qu- question to wrap us up. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth, you uh, have been nothing short of amazing, and I think you mentioned esoteric earlier in your name, but but you are an esoteric kind of person. And yeah. uh, at your house, you have a half woman in your bushes. Why? <laughs> Why do you have a half woman in your bushes? What what does this signify? What does this do? Like literally nothing. Because what is the story behind this woman's legs hiding in your bushes? Somebody gave and, me and, a and just to be clear, not real human legs. She's not Dexter. These no, are she, like 
she's I'm like assuming. Lemon. I think she's yeah. like a Lulu. She's some bodice because I used to make clothes. Um, I used to have, I used to make evening gowns out of like fabric, found fabric, and deconstructed stuff from Goodwill, and so people used to give me like mannequin parts, you know, like every mm-hmm. time somebody just had a spare mannequin part, they'd be like, Oh, Elizabeth, I feel like you could use this. And to be fair, I had a bodice and because the bodice, um, it was a whole lady and she had boobs, um, which is very important. If you're designing dress, the way that I used to design dresses was kind of like painting a painting where like mm-hmm. I would sculpt the fabric around the bodice. And so mm-hmm. the bodice that I was using was a boobless bodice and there's a major problem. Like when you make the dress on a bodice with no boobs and it like doesn't fit right. Like you have to like design with the boobs and cause everything was kind of hand sewn and ultra artsy. Like I needed the boobs. Anyways, I said boobs. Like how many times can you say boobs? <laughs> I said boobs like 20 times in 20 seconds. So, so I had this man. This is the boob content people need during these times. <laughs> this is the boob content people need. During these, during these uncertain times. Which if I hear that <laughs> phrase again, I'm going to fucking stab myself in the neck with a pencil. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> during, these, during these uncertain times, we need Chick-fil-A delivering sandwiches to every American. Like, just it's just how many times can I hear that phrase? I'm sorry. That was a tangent. Go, <laughs> well, we do. Go ahead. We do. Yeah. I need Chick-fil-A. Um, so, so yeah, so I had this mannequin, it's kind of a rough and tumble mannequin and like slowly over time, especially as I've like stopped really designing heavily and like started, you know, just fully focused on acting. I don't really need the mannequin. So the mannequin lives and every so often people want to borrow the mannequin. The mannequin comes in and out of the house, you know, she's running around. So then a friend had like a t-shirt show. So she borrowed, we should give the mannequin name, Sandra, we'll call her. So she borrowed Sandra <laughs> and then dropped Sandra back off on the front porch. And then I was just really busy that week. And so like, just didn't want to bring Sandra back inside the house. And so then eventually I started bringing, and I didn't want to put her all back together. And I was like, you know, Sandra's like pretty like rough, like she's pretty ratchet and she's like cracked at this point. So then I just moved. I didn't want somebody to like throw, I didn't want the garbage man to think that Sandra was trash. So I was like, well, let me just like move these legs over into the bush and then I'll put, um, the, like the body and the boobs, the torso on the front porch. Well, eventually the torso found its way inside the house. It's now at the fire, like on the mantle on the fireplace, but the legs just stayed and I just like them. Like, I just think it's funny. So now they live there. It reminds me of um, back when I was, I think I was 22 or Mm -hmm. something like that, 21. And I was dating a girl that worked at BB, which is like a clothing store. Yeah, I remember BB. Used to be in uh, uh, the the mall in Green Hills or whatever. And they were redesigning the store and they had these floor to ceiling uh, vinyl stickers that went in the windows of models. And she gave, <laughs> she gave me the posters um, and said, you can do whatever you want with them. They're, these are massive posters, floor to ceiling. They're like eight feet wide, it felt like. <laughs> and I had this big blank wall in my apartment at the time, and I put them both on the wall. And so the wall was covered with these BB posters of these <laughs> women and, and these models. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but I was literally writing the manual on how to turn your apartment into the ultimate fuckboy palace. And <laughs> 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 it was like, you just 
walk into this small apartment and see the, <laughs> something you would just never see anywhere else. And it was that perfect balance of, uh, of class and distaste that just screamed early fuck. And it was just the, uh, something that would just be abhorrent today to me, but, but, um, it did remind me of like, Hey, you use the stuff that you get, you know, that's, it's all good. you put it to use. Sometimes yeah. that means, uh, uh, Legs in the bushes. <laughs> and sometimes that means BB posters on your apartment wall. It's true. I have like a part inside of me that's always, sometimes I wish that it didn't exist where like, I like to, to do, to do things in decorating that are kind of funny. And like, it's, it's terrible because there's also part of me that wants to live in like an Elon Musk mansion with like one glamorous painting on the wall, but mm-hmm. then I just, I'm always going to like kitsch. I, it's just like, it's a part. I'm all, I always want those mannequin legs in the bushes, you know? I love it. Elizabeth, you're, you're the best. We have to do this again. I, I hope yes. you're amenable to that. And, uh, I hope I get to see you out in the real world soon. I know we're on this lockdown, but it doesn't mean we can't, uh, uh, find a fun way to connect. Um, so hopefully we get to do that. And, and for those listening, do go out and follow Elizabeth right away. You will not, I'm just guaranteeing it right now. You will not be disappointed (laughs) in what you find on Instagram and Twitter and all of her, um, platforms, um, including her website at Elizabeth Donaldson, creative.com where you'll see a lot of it at the very least, a lot of beautiful pictures and beautiful writing. Um, if you have questions for us, you can also find us at underscore Bonsai Creative on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, if you go to Facebook, you can just search for us by searching for Bonsai Creative and we'll pop right up. And if you want to reach us directly, you can DM us. We're okay with that. Um, uh, but you can also email us uh, questions, comments, anything you want at uh, contact at Bonsai dot film and we're also bonsai with an s not with a z so b-o-n-s-a-i dot f-i-l-m elizabeth this is wonderful thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure anytime sleep tight if you can i know you're on three hours of sleep you were you were my hero tonight getting on here and uh hopefully we'll talk soon absolutely i would love that all right sister be good you too all right bye bye You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative be engaged. And thank you for listening.